This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Packer and Durham, it's a Friday, and we are still streaming live on the ESPN app. The number for the program is 844-SAY-ACCN. Mark Packer alone with the dogs in the basement. No Captain Ron, no Robert, no Otto. My partner's down there in Cartersville, Georgia. Hope everybody's getting ready for a good weekend. Mr. Durham, how we doing? I'm doing well, Pack. Uh, <clears throat> off the top, happy anniversary to Amy Packer. Well, how about to me? How about to me? I mean, it's a it's a tandem. You know how the, <laughs> you know how this works. I mean, I know she's the better half. I'll be the first one to tell you. In fact, I am the first one to tell you. Oh yeah, it, it's a oh, team. Oh yeah, it's a team oh, yeah. effort. It is a team. Okay. Effort. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> Happy anniversary to Amy and Mark Packer. There you go. Now you're getting the hang of it. That's a, that's the way it works. And there Wait. it is. Oh, look at here. There I am whispering sweet nothings into my lovely bride's ear, Ooh, telling her, hey, one day. you in the church. Oh, yeah. Look how great she looks there, huh? Always looking good. Mrs. P. Amy Packer. There she wow. is. Wow. Look at it. Look and at I, the lady's choice on the left. Oh, yeah. And after a full day of uh, wedding uh, activities, how do you feel? Uh, let me explain it to you. There's only one picture that describes what it feels like after a full day. And there it is. <laughs> Exhausted. Got my master's hat on, no shoes. Lucky to be wearing socks. And a married man 27 years ago on this day, May 6, 1995. What? Chilling and grilling. Where's the brown water? What chair is that? That's uh, that's Amy. That's Amy Packer's chair. Of course, I got my briefcase right there. I'm ready to get working Uh, because I know. Guess what? Is that still the briefcase? No, 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 no. It's been replaced with the Italian briefcase, uh, which we purchased a few years ago. But that was a good one, though. That was a good one. So there it is. Twenty-seven years. (laughs) Goes by like that. I'm telling you, does. 27 Dude, years. Golly. If there was ever a doubt you can recruit, it was oh, answered right there. I can still recruit, but I do it differently though now. It's not that's I got a different got a different attitude, different lane that I'm recruiting at. But I, I absolutely outkick my coverage. I say it all the time that 100% of the American males out there The first thing you got to do in life is outkick your coverage. You must do that. You got to know what you can do and what you can't do, but your brother, you better outkick the coverage. You have to do that. But somehow I think you and I are in that top 5% of jobs of outkicking. <laughs> I, well, I, I am I, way overachieved, my I, man. I, I don't like bragging, but I will brag this time. There is no doubt that from a personal perspective, I totally outkicked the coverage on this one, and I am one lucky dude. There is no question about it. Yep. So, happy anniversary, All Amy right. Packer. <laughs> and again, I think she's still probably sound asleep this morning, but uh, hard to believe that was 27 years ago. Crazy. Well, we'll get to the uh, luminary weekends for the Packers coming up. Uh, let me tell you about the excitement. Oh, there it is again. Yeah, let's get to. Now, I'm whispering in her ear right there. I'm telling her, listen, you're not going to believe this, but literally 20 some odd years from now, 
ESPN is going to build a television studio in our house, <laughs> and we're going to do a television and radio show with dogs from the basement. And she's just laughing <laughs> like, right. oh, this guy, my husband's already had too many brown waters. What are we doing? What's he talking yeah. about? There Is we he go. Nuts. Um, he lost his mind. Uh, we've got a huge day on this program because you're going to get the traditional Friday Packer rowing rankings, which oh, have yeah. become a staple here in the last month. You're That's getting right. that. They're official. In fact, you're going to get it here in minutes. They're official. In minutes, you're going to get that. The only ones yes, in America. Official. Right here. That's it. Then at 9 o'clock this morning, we've been given you the know exclusive. It. You know it. Lane and uh, seed assignments for next Friday and Saturday's Atlantic Coast Conference Rowing Championship. That's right. Yes. Yeah, don't don't pretend like you don't pretend like this is surprising. The ACC office, headquartered yes. currently in Greensboro, North Carolina, said, "Hey, we have to make this official, and who better to do it than the duo that has kept every secret? We have kept every se- we not one time have we let it slip in 623 shows. And so, guess what? 9 a.m. sharp, we will unveil the lanes." Oh. For your varsity eight, number one, number two, number three, there's five of them. So we're gonna get you're gonna get the whole lowdown, right? We got nine teams in the league. I'll give you the rankings here momentarily, where I give you the top ten because there's always a floater. Last week was Mark Emmert, who uh, jumped up to the number two slot because when you sit on your butt and go backwards, hey, he's pretty dangerous. Uh, so we'll see where it goes. You'll find out the new number ten this week. That's coming up here momentarily. And you know what else we got going on right, this week, uh, Wes? You know what else we got going on? One you know versus to, two. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that. We're going to get into all that. We've talked about that all this week, right? North right. Carolina, B.C. tomorrow. Right here right. on ACC Network at uh, 6 p.m. And, of course, the post-game stuff, all ACC. We've got that covered for you, too. But you know right. what else is going on tomorrow? The run for the roses. Now, since we've been doing radio and TV, I have stated oh, no. that I have wanted this show in particular to be in Louisville, Kentucky for the race. Now, we're not going to be there. It's disappointing. One of these days, we'll get it in a budget and maybe road trip and go to Louisville for the week, do the Oaks on a Friday, Derby on a Saturday, dress up, do our thing. But one thing we did do a couple years ago when we were going through the pandemic, we did a thing on this show called the Q Series when everything kind of shut down. And so we came up with an idea of the quarantine series. So I nicknamed it the Q series. And we did a Kentucky Derby deal two years ago. And if you missed it, it's kind of become a tradition on our show that every year we play it. Since we can't get to the Derby, we bring the Derby to you. And so if you missed this a couple years ago, eventually we will play that for you today. The Packer and Durham Q Series Kentucky Derby Special. It's become kind of a tradition on our program. That's coming up has later it, in the show. Has it really? It has. Has it become a tradition? It ha- we've has done it, it every year. It's like Jim Nance at Augusta. Every year on the first Saturday, and for us, the first Friday of May, we play it on the show. Every year. You know, I, I we we used a lot of new technology back then does that technology still work or it doesn't sure we matter can run this oh yeah, yeah 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 we can definitely run it. 
In fact, I, you know, we dressed up for the part. In fact, I even got my derby hat right yeah. here beside me. Yeah. And uh, I'm ready when you are, big man. Whenever you are, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Is that a derby hat? That's my it's derby really hat. A derby hat. That's my derby hat. Now, uh, and if you missed this from a couple years ago when we did the Q series, uh, I incorporated all the traditions of the Kentucky Derby. I went mint oh, julep yeah. on you. I dressed yeah, up. I got my derby hat. This thing's been through the ringer a few times. Tell some stories. And uh, so we're going to bring it to you. So it's the run for the roses tomorrow. We got BC, North Carolina, one versus two in women's lacrosse. We got an awesome baseball weekend. We got rowing rankings. We got the seeds. We got the lanes. All that's coming up. And an amazing guest list today. Amazing. An amazing guest list. Uh, it starts just said. in about 20, yeah, 22 minutes with Mark Teixeira, who you know is a big leaguer, World Series champion, the whole bit. But tomorrow becomes a graduate of the Georgia Institute of Technology. And we will talk to Mark about that. Our cool story. We'll have our congratulations for Mark, among anything else. And then uh, Tari Kandamiri will join us at 745. Debut. She'll begin our preview of one versus two tomorrow night in women's lacrosse. Uh, we will talk to Tari. I think it's her debut, right, on our I program. Just, just said that. that. Yeah. Um, Eight o'clock hour, Elliot Avent, one of our favorites, will be here. Uh, looking forward to talking to him at 8.15. Rachel DiCecco, triumphant return to the program at 8.30. Look forward to visiting with Rachel about one versus two. We talked to the greatest women's lacrosse player in the galaxy yesterday, Charlotte North. And in case you missed it, we'll show you that at 8.45. But we're not done. 9.30, Andrea Adelson with a preview of the ACC spring meetings, which start Monday at Amelia Island, Florida. And what does she expect? What does she think the key points of discussion will be beyond the NIL, beyond the portal, beyond those things? There's this little thing about football divisions that could potentially be on the table at Amelia Island for discussion. We'll get Andrea's thoughts about that and more. Uh, we do have some news items. Um, I mean, this Zay Flowers story that uh, ESPN broke yesterday is bananas, Mark. Um, is it? That apparently just happened what two weeks ago maybe i mean I, not even I, that it feels like i mean is it really is it i mean when i when i read it yesterday uh i mean it's a great story and pete thamel's all over it which he normally is he's awesome yep um but w were you stunned when you read that because i wasn't it's like you know we know stuff's been going on right and now players yep. are coming out and really the only thing missing in that story and we're going to get into all this stuff heavier here during the show sure is that Zay Flowers, uh, because of his character, did not name names mm -hmm. and took the high road. Uh, but he did throw out the amount, which was $600,000 to leave BC uh, to go and sign with School X. Enter the portal to go sign. But he didn't name names. Now, I'm sure uh, behind closed doors, uh, people know exactly who it is. Uh, so it doesn't need to be important that Packer and Durham or any other you know, media hairdo or talking head knows. Um, so I give Zay right. a lot of credit because it does talk about the, uh, to me, it screened about the character of what he's about and what that program's about. And I respect that. Right. Uh, but you know this stuff's going on. And we just saw it with Jordan Addison. Again, we have no idea what Jordan's going to do. If he stays at Pitt, goes somewhere else, I don't know what he's going to do. But he's definitely in the portal and there's definitely right. tons of money at stake. 
So to, to hear it from Zay Flowers, I was not surprised that, that he would be targeted like any other big-time player. And the money doesn't surprise us anymore either, does it, Wes? I mean, when right. you hear six-figure and seven-figure deals, it's like, hey, that's the price of doing business in this day and age for, for student-athletes and colleges. And uh, it's why the NCAA is trying to move as quickly as they possibly can. And thank goodness they are. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that and another story. Uh, NC State got some really good news yesterday. We will share that with you and more. But first, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, please welcome <clears throat> Mark Packer and this week's official Pac-Man Top 10 Rowing Rankings. Championships begin one week from today at Lake Hartwell. This will be the last time you see rankings because next week it's go time. Virginia stays number one, but Syracuse is making a serious push. Could this be the year that Virginia's streak of 11 consecutive ACC titles in rowing comes to an absolute abrupt halt? We will find out next week. Dukes at three, Notre Dame four, Clemson five. They get the home lake advantage next week. BC is six, Louisville seven, Miami eight, North Carolina nine. Mark Emmert has dropped out of the top 10 and replaced by who better to sit on your rear end and go backwards than the Cincinnati Reds, who have lost 19 of their last 20 games. I am so sorry, Kirk Herbstreet, but your boys get the coveted 10 spot this week in the Pac-Man Top 10 Rowing Rankings, and there you have it. Those are official. Take them to the bank. There I am. Stroke, <laughs> stroke, 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 stroke. I'm having a oh stroke. I'm having a stroke. Oh. That's what it is. Uh, you uh, know, I, can, I can now fit on one of those boats right now. <laughs> I can get in one of those bad boys now. That picture right there, I might oh have had to. Had, it could have been a tight be squeeze a back then. Right, I, I'm well aware of it. Right, talking about shell. freaking rowing expert here. That's why, that's why at 9 a.m. we give out the lane assignments coming up next week at Lake Hartwell. Well, and it's like varsity four and varsity eight. That's two, correct. Right? It's not like fives or whatever. So I got no. So. You why are you why are you trying to preach to me? Do I see the West Durham rowing rankings? I do not. Do I see West Durham no, fitting on that boat? Not. I do not. So no, what, why are you preaching no, to me on no. that? You're, you're talking to me like I don't know what's going on. I mean, you know, I've told you Virginia's won eleven consecutive rowing championships. They've won twenty the last twenty one. They've won 82 of the last 90 regattas. Is that a too big a word? Does it, so don't try to preach to me like I don't know about rowing. Regatta. That's what it is. Got it. I know. I got you. Okay. Shells, I boats. Mean, we got it. I mean, just because already I already found out the coxswain's a huge advantage in this deal, by the you, way. You better have a good one. Just tell you that right now. It's, it, it's like, again, for every American male, you better outkick your coverage. And number two, you just got it right there. there we'll we give you things right. to live by. When we come back, when we come back, Friday show's underway. Boston College has their man who's the best, maybe one of the best vertical threats in the entire college game. But Zay Flowers told Pete Thamel, oh, tampering? Yeah, you betcha. We'll tell you about it next on Packer and Durham. Good morning. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast.
Zay Flowers talking to Pete Thamel yesterday or in a story released yesterday on ESPN.com says that in the days leading up to the May 1 transfer portal deadline, uh, if you will, middlemen or people indirectly related to a school reached out to people close to me uh, offering, in one case, $600,000 to transfer to one school and another deal that would give him $300,000 to go to a different school. Flowers had not entered the portal nor given any public indication that he would enter the portal. Um, And this kind of is the latest layer, if you will, of something that Pat Narduzzi brought to our attention, what was it, Pac, last December, November, when he talked about Kenny Pickett being contacted by Notre Dame about a year ago, right in this neighborhood, about potentially transferring. And again, somebody indirectly, uh, not the school, not anybody on the coaching staff. These are people acting, one would think, on their own behalf or with interest in the program, that kind of thing. And they reached out to other people Rarely are we finding that it's direct, direct, A to B, point to point contact, but it is contact nonetheless that puts these young people in the crosshairs of having to make snap financial decisions potentially based on name, image, and likeness, Mark. Well, if folks have read the article, and again, Pete did a great job, as he always does, as I mentioned, uh, what impressed me the most was that Zay Flowers called up his coach, Jeff Halfling. We've had a chance to meet and know Jeff a little bit. And you know what a quality character guy he is in the kind of program he runs. I, I thought it was interesting that, that Zay went to coach and said, hey, listen, before this gets crazy, let, let's talk this thing out. And they did. Um, and that's the way to go about it. Like I said, I, you find out about the character of people sometimes when stuff like this happens. And you found out exactly what Zay's all about, what Jeff Halfley's about, what BC's all about, with the way they handled all of this. Um, he did not name names. And I'm sure when you read the article like I did yesterday, you're like, wow, wouldn't it have been interesting had you found out it was school XYZ or Booster ABC? Because obviously this stuff's been going on. It didn't just happen with Jordan Addison. It didn't happen with Zay Flowers. And boy, just this week, how did this happen? This has been going on for a long time. It's been going on long before name, image, and likeness hit the streets on July 1st of 2021. And this has to end. I mean, the NCAA, uh, as toothless as it can be from an investigative standpoint, you have to eliminate the problem here. This is something that cannot go on. And if you find someone guilty, you must bury them. Bury them. you got to set an example for everybody across the country that when you cross this line, uh, you're out of business. It can't be a slap on the wrist like, hey, now next time, don't offer $600,000 or we'll really have to get nonsense. I mean, at some point in time, you've got to put the fear of God into people that, hey, if you cross the line and get caught, we're shutting you down. We'll catch you later. What bowl game? What scholarships? What coaching job? I mean, you've got to really lay down the law here because this is total garbage that's going on in college sports and it's been going on for a long long time but i give zay flowers jeff halfley and bc a lot of credit with the way they handled it uh, absolutely and flowers went on to tell pete thamel you know he's uh from a, a household of 14 with one parent that's life-changing money 
Uh, I talked to Coach Affley. We went through what was going on. I talked to my dad. My dad would love for me to stay at BC, and I wanted to stay at BC. It was a decision I had to make, and the decision I made was to come back to school. So, number one, you respect Zay Flowers' loyalty to the cause at Boston College. No doubt. I am sure, without knowing details, Zay Flowers received some NIL compensation. Now, it's probably not $300,000. It's probably not for sure $600,000. However, you give Zay Flowers a lot of credit here for being a guy that had some pack, for lack of a better term, moral compass about the process, right? Well, that's why I, um, I, I, respected, know, but, I respected his opinion, Wes, in, in his position because in this day and age, you find out a lot of times about people and loyalty, right, or the lack thereof. Mm-hmm. And it, the easy thing to do in life is to go, man, I'm out of here, man. Somebody offered me 600 I'm gone. Catch you. I, I, right. I, when I read that story yesterday, I've always enjoyed watching Zay play, and we've had him on the show. Um, but, man, yep. the respect factor gets even higher when you see the way he conducted himself going about business here. And, you know, I'm sure whatever schools were involved in offering 600 k or whatever individuals were involved with the 300 k all that information will get to the right sources. Now, I'll go back to what I just said three minutes ago, Wes. Now that you get the information, what are you going to do about it? Right? I mean, you, right. it can't just be, hey, oh, thank you very much. We appreciate the tip. No, you've got to go set an example of, hey, we're not putting up with that in college athletics. you got to finally eventually put your foot down and go, enough is enough. And all this nonsense has to stop. you got to eliminate it. you got to make an example of people that are like, hey, screw it. We're just going to go out there and buy whatever it takes. If you allow that to happen, we got nothing left. There's nothing left here. Mm-hmm. We're kidding ourselves. Well, the chasm between the haves and the have-nots, as long as this kind of activity continues, will only widen and deepen to a degree. But the width of the chasm is going to get a lot bigger unless there's a stop to it. And again, the, the, the splashes of the last 10 days have kind of precipitated these conversations, be they at Capitol Hill with George Klyovkov and Greg Sankey, be it amongst commissioners in Arizona at meetings, next week at Amelia Island, all these things, whatever the case may be, the the people who understand, the smart people as you refer to, are now people that realize nobody's going to help them in Indianapolis. There is going to be no leadership coming out of that office as it relates to this, and now it's kind of left upon the conferences themselves to – to kind of germinate some sort of rails. And we've got to get these rails in place. That's why I think you hit it on the head, and Bubba Cunningham said it to us a a couple months ago. We're in real trouble if we don't get something on the table here soon. Two years, we may not have two years at this rate. Again, we're going to go back to some of the things we said earlier this week. If you continue to let this ride, you know which way the price is going to go on name, image, and likeness if this is allowed to continue. It's only going to go north. A lot of these schools can't afford some of these numbers being thrown around right now. And I'm talking about Power 5 schools, Pac. You know that. I mean, that's just the reality of where this is. And we've got some problems. We've got some real, real college athletic administrative and leadership issues that have to be addressed. And if that part's not addressed, you can't fix the details of this deal. And I think that's got to be the biggest concern 
facing Power Five, facing major college athletics today. I read a story yesterday uh, where the NCAA was basically having conversations with themselves, apparently, about what they're going to do as far as coming down hard. And, I'm th- and I started laughing, and I looked this up. Since name, image, and likeness unveiled itself right. on July 1 of 21, do you know how many programs have been punished for name, image, and likeness, quote-unquote, violations by the NCAA? I'll give you a hint. If you picked one, you'd be high. That'd be zero. Zero. I mean, yep. <laughs> you know, it's one thing to talk it. At what point in time are you going to walk it, right, if you're in enforcement? Mm-hmm. You, and that's I'm going to beat this to death because you have got to make examples of people. You think it's cool? You think it's cute? You're going to go out and just try to go buy yourself a championship and all that stuff? Okay, cool. Go for it. But if you get caught, uh, please do not complain and whine. Please do not complain and whine. And if you want to appeal, I don't like your chances. I mean, you really have got to just put a a line in the sand and go, you're not crossing this. There are so many issues that are going on, but this one with tampering cannot happen in college sports. It just simply cannot happen. There's no place for it. All right, when we come back, we reach the bottom of the hour and a real feel-good story is taking place tomorrow in Atlanta. Mark Teixeira is going to return and play third base this weekend at Clemson. I'm kidding. Uh, Mark Teixeira joins us on his way to the cap and gown tomorrow in Atlanta. Back after this. Packer and Durham. Joining us this morning, uh, presented in part by Titleist, apparently, and the Wade Hampton, is uh, former big league all-star Mark Teixeira. Uh, And uh, tomorrow, Packer, it'll be Mark Teixeira, Georgia Tech graduate. Very cool. 25 years after he committed to play college baseball for the Yellow Jackets. Uh, Congratulations, Mr. Teixeira. I've got here. Let me show you. I've, I've got the. What do you even call this stuff? This is the like the regalia. It's a tassel. You know, I got the tassels. I got honor cords. I got all kinds of stuff. I have no idea how to wear any of this stuff, Wes. Uh, maybe, maybe you can help me out. Send, send me some screenshots for uh, when you when you graduated all all those days ago. Mark, uh, yeah, uh-huh. first of all, congratulations. Number two, we've all Thank wished you, to be on the 25-year plan. Believe me, because if we could have stayed in college for 20, <laughs> a quarter of a century, we all would have been able to do it. Uh, you know, you've accomplished so many things uh, in your career, but I'm sure that this one is one of those things that you said, you know what, I need to go finish the deal. What was the inspiration here? You know, a, a lot of things, Mark. I mean, really, it comes down to Georgia Tech is more than my alma mater. It's more than a just a, a, a college for me. It's a special place. Uh, you know, Wes, you knew me since I was 18 years old. And and as an 18-year-old, I came onto campus and felt at home. And Atlanta's been my second home ever since. Georgia Tech's been a special place for me ever since. Met my, my beautiful wife here. And if I, if I didn't have the Georgia Tech experience, I wouldn't be Mark to share. I would be some different version of me. Uh, and so I owe a lot to, to Georgia Tech and being able to say that I have my degree and, and I, I came back and finished and having these experiences, this has been a really cool experience for me. It's been frustrating and fun and, and hard and, and rewarding all at the same time. So it's just something I wanted to do. All right. But 
I know you and Dr. Cabrera, the president, had this conversation some while ago, after just as his administration started, I believe, about trying to figure out a way to get this done. And you've done several boards at Georgia Tech. I mean, your business career ultimately will, I think, compete with your big league career. But when you started back going to class, what was that like? Oh, so the, the first semester was completely online remote because of COVID. And, and that's one of the right. reasons I was able to finish it is that you know, Georgia Tech never really offered online classes for, for undergrads, especially your last year before you have to graduate. So my first semester was completely online. I got some interesting direct messages on uh, those computer, you know, those computer lectures or some of those computer group projects. And they're like, you've got the same name as this baseball player. And I'm like, let's put two and two together here, kids. You know, let's, let's figure this out. But, uh, but that was really neat. And then my first semester going, going onto campus, I had my backpack. I felt like Billy Madison, right, going back to school. And I'm walking around the halls at Scheller. And I, I started getting some looks. And I'm sitting in the class, and they're like, hey, so are you – you going to help teach this class this year or, you know, are you, are you a TA or I'm like, no. And I, and I had like lo- longer hair and you could see the gray in my hair. And so I was sticking out like a sore thumb. Uh, but then, you know, all the professors were awesome and they introduced me and, you know, they made a big deal out of, about me coming back and they asked me to present, you know, some, some of my business experiences and some of that. So, it ended up being an unbelievable experience, and uh, hopefully that the professors and the students got something out of it as well. Mark, what did you find to be the biggest difference between a college student today versus when you were in your quote-unquote prime at Georgia Tech 20-some-odd years yeah. ago? So that's a great question, actually. I, I, I cared more this time. I, I, I'm not shy to say I majored in baseball back in the late 90s and early 2000s, and I minored in business. This is, I really cared about it this time. I was super into every single class, every grade, every test I got back that I got something wrong. I was looking back over, you know, why did I get it wrong? Where, you know, 20 years ago, as a baseball player, you had tutors, you were like, hey, you know, as long as you get a B in the, you know, on this test and you'll get an A in the, in the projects, you'll get an A. I was a lot more relaxed as a student 20 years ago. And I was, I was a little bit anxious. You know, every time I took a class, I signed up because I wanted to get straight A's. That was a big thing for me. And I, I think I have one more class that's, uh, that's coming in. I took a final yesterday. I think I'll get straight A's for these last three semesters. So I was, I was wound a little bit more tight this time, I think. All right, let me ask you something. Well, uh, hold on. I want to follow up with that real quick. Uh, the fact that here you am excited about getting straight A's. Now, you've got kids. Uh, so if you get straight A's, this is a total role reversal. Do you go to the kids and go, Hey kids, guess what? Dad got straight A's. Cause normally again, 20 some odd years, you'd go, man, I hope my kids are doing okay in school. And if they ever got good grades, I'm sure they came to you and go, dad, you're not completely got straight A's or whatever. So is, was this a total role reversal here in terms of your kids Absolutely. rolling their eyes at you? Like, Oh dad, you're driving me crazy. Mark, literally every week I would get a test back or a project back or something. And I would show it to the kids. And I was right. so excited. Hey look, hey, look at this, you know, and, and you know, they because they come into my office and I'd say, hey, guys, I got two hours of studying or two hours of reading, whatever it might be. We can't hang. We can't do something. You know, so it was, it was definitely a sacrifice for my family. And 
my 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 wife's like Lee's like laughing at me the whole time. But you know, my kids are really really excited every time I come back and get an A, and especially my early classes. So I had to take my sciences again, mm. which were so hard. I mean, science <laughs> at Georgia Tech, as we all know, is not easy. And I was grinding to get those A's. So every time I got a test back, I was I was pretty pumped. All right. First of all, I want to I want to go back in the time machine here. You said you majored in baseball and minored in business. There's some people in the golf program that might say you majored in golf and you got a second degree in baseball and then minored in business because you spent more time in the golf office than you did the baseball office. Let's be honest. So that, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to push back on you there, Wes, but I didn't actually play a lot of golf. I just hung out with the golfers. You know, my, my whole thing. And yesterday I was with one yesterday, yesterday, Chris Mickelson and I went out and played golf at, at Peachtree. And um, those guys are still Matt Wybring, Adam Cranford, still some of my best friends in the world. But we had we had a bond. Baseball players and golfers have this bond yeah. that we're playing yeah. a really hard sport. It will you'll be on top of the mountain one day and feel like you're never going to get a hit or make a cut the next day. And so for the last 25 years, you know, you add Matt Kuchar and Bryce Mulder and those guys into the mix. We've had this really cool bond of, I get it. Yep. You know, it's like the Spider-Man meme. Golfers and baseball players that we go through the same things. They're, they're, they're long seasons. You feel great one day. You feel like you want to quit the next. And, and so we just, we hit it off from freshman year on. I hit it off with those guys. It's funny because when I, I was I wanna, at- when I was at Clemson, it's the funny thing it, that there was a lot of similarities to what you just said, Mark, because the, the golf team and the baseball team, spring sports, everybody's kind of active at the same time. Everybody's kind of down at the same time. There was always a bond between those two. And it's kind of funny that you had that same experience and I did the same exact thing at Clemson. Same deal. You did, um, you did so many things post-baseball. I mean, even while you were playing, you did the RBI project in New York City when you were with the Yankees. You did even things in Atlanta when you were with the Braves and in Boston and all these different things. Then you did television. You now come back and get your degree, and I know you've been involved in business and projects even before this happened. And you've been very, you and Lee have been incredibly philanthropic, uh, certainly to Georgia Tech, but even to other projects that people don't even know about. So to come back and get this degree tells me that you, you've got plans. You've got things you want to do with this. You just don't do this to do it. So where do we find Mark Teixeira five years from now, 10 years from now, besides being you know close to scratching golf and, and watching his kids <laughs> grow up, that kind of thing? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Wes. I think that the, one of the main reasons I went back and got my degree is I want to keep my options open. And I don't know what that means. I'm not sure exactly what the future holds. You know, hopefully Georgia Tech wants me around, uh, you know, as long as I'm breathing and I'll be involved in Georgia Tech. In what capacity, I don't know. But I do know that if in five years or 10 years I wanted to go do something, whether it was in business or administration or politics or whatever it might be, and someone said, well, you don't, you don't have a degree, you didn't graduate from college, I'd have been like – Man, I probably should have gone and done that. So I, right. I think it just leaves my options open, Wes. And and I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I kind of I, I leave it to God. I leave it to my family to, to what the future holds. It's it's a lot easier to plan when you're 18 and you go, hey, I got a 20 year run. Hopefully I'm going to play baseball for the next 20 years. I was able to do that. And 
once you're done playing baseball, it's like, wow, I've got all these options. And I did the ESPN thing. I loved it. I really enjoy real estate development here in Atlanta. And, and you know, being able to bring a company like Microsoft to Atlanta was just super cool for me. And that's a that's kind of a win early in my development career. But I don't know. I'm not sure where it holds. But I, I know that Georgia Tech degree is going to mean something whenever I do make a decision to to make a move later in life. Yep, there's no doubt about that. Man plans, God laughs, right? That's how it works. Uh, you know, I'm going to switch. I'm going to switch the, the script on you. Know, normally, we bring student athletes on here uh, for the first time, and we always ask the, tra- the traditional question. And I'm going to do that to you, Mark. Um, okay. Since you've been at Georgia Tech, Mark Teixeira, what was your hardest class? Uh, <laughs> I would say it was. EAS 1601, which is Earth and Atmospheric Sciences, which is basically what happened between the Big Bang to man walking on the Earth and figure it out mathematically why it happened. It wasn't an easy class. No. I can barely add. Yeah, so so that, was definitely, that was definitely the hardest class. And I had it first semester. It was like, boom, here you go. Baptism by fire. That's exactly right. Well, listen, right. I, I, I'm proud of All you, man. You're a great story. You're an inst- you know, Here's the other thing. You're an inspiration for folks that, hey, it doesn't matter what your yep. age is, man. Go get stuff done. You know, if you got a dream, go chase it, right? It doesn't matter how old you are. Go for it. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Hey, uh, Tex, great to see you. Best to Lee and the kids. Congratulations on this, my man. And uh, I'd say I'm proud of you, but I would have expected you to do something like this. This is just kind of who you've always been. So, uh, great to see you, and thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on, and uh, <clears throat> enjoy the rest of the weekend. All right, you too. Go low today. Tell McCann he's got no shot. There we go. <laughs> I'll try my best. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mark Teixeira, uh, great story. One of the best. When we come back, uh, Tari Candemary will make her debut with Packer and Durham. Number one, number two tomorrow night in Chapel Hill as part of the ACC Women's Lacrosse Championship. The run-up starts next. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham, very cool story with Mark Teixeira. And we're not done, Wes. Yep. This is going to be a busy, busy show. we got announcements. we got some derby fun, some rowing stuff to get into, and a ton of great guests, yep. including someone getting ready to make their debut on the show. Uh, how about the debut of Tari Kandamiri, who uh, helps us with lacrosse on ACC and certainly at ESPN. She joins us this morning. Tari, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Happy it's Friday. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so here's the stage, one versus two. Packer and I were hoping, you know, a couple months ago when they played for the first time we would get this again, and we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carolina looked the part last week in South Bend. Boston College, I think that, and, and Mark mentioned this yesterday in our visit with Charlotte North. BC played great. It might not have been Charlotte North's shining moment, but boy, Acacia's got a really good team. So, what do you think we see tomorrow night? Oh, I think we're seeing a battle. Um, you know, you said it one and two. North Carolina is going to have a stacked offense, stacked defense, probably one of the most even-keeled teams that we've seen that can execute all over the field. But BC has so much firepower on offense, and I think all the attention that's been on Charlotte North has actually helped other players develop, and so they're able to step up as well. 
she doesn't really have to score as many goals. She's going to shine on the draw most likely, but it's just going to be like head to head the whole time. Tara, you know what else is cool? And I mentioned this to Charlotte yesterday. Uh, she did not have her greatness, I thought, in South Bend last week. We're so used to seeing her score five, six goals, multiple assists. But she was able to facilitate everyone else to get involved. Cassidy Weeks goes off and scores six goals. So, you know, it's like, hey, next lady up, no problem with BC. We know that's also true at North Carolina because Jamie Ortega had scored in 50 consecutive games got shut out the other day from a scoring perspective. So you've got these two great scoring machines, these two unbelievable individuals kind of coming off what you would consider down days for them. And then you put them in the biggest stage, one versus two for a title. You just get a sense that, hey, this is when greatness shows up, when, you know, the biggest stakes. And I, I can't wait to see how this plays out tomorrow night. It's got the potential of being a true classic. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just thinking, we haven't had a dramatic overtime game in women's lacrosse in a while. We had a, last, last, a lot last year. So um, a little nervous about that. I'm like, I don't know if my heart can handle it after all this time. But we're just in for such good lacrosse. Tari, um, is Charlotte North, as somebody who played the sport and certainly follows it as close as you do, when Charlotte North is defended the way she was last weekend, do we get to see that it's just a lot more than scoring? Because I think sometimes we get caught up in the offense. I mean, the teammate skills, the teammate fit, that that can be oftentimes I think as important as what you do putting the ball in the net, right? Absolutely. And something about Charlotte that kind of goes under the radar a lot of times with her scoring prowess is her facilitation on the draw. So not only is she winning draw control, she's able to push them out to her teammates if she's being heavily defended on the draw and, of course, the assists. And then if she's being face guarded, obviously taking her out of the play opens up a lot of space for other teammates as well. And um, when we interviewed her coach, Acacia Walker-Weinstein, she highlighted a lot about Charlotte's leadership skills, how she's developed the players around her. And so I think on the field and off the field, she's just such an impactful player. Um, and, you know, even though we don't see her impact on the on the score sheet in a game like this, we might not see it. We might see it. She's still making a lot of impact in other ways that do directly influence the outcome of the game. Tony, you know what else is cool about this? I mean, obviously one versus two, it says all you need to know. Uh, but... I think it's cool, too, that here's Boston College, the defending national champs, but they've never won the ACC, and they are open in discussing this is a goal. This is a box that we want to check. We've never won this before. We won a natty, but we've not won the conference, which is really unique. And here's North Carolina, who's been incredibly dominant, right? I mean, they've basically owned women's lacrosse. They've taken care of business in this particular tournament, but their big goal is, hey, we're going back to win a national championship. So you got these two great teams, incredible star power, and yet in some respects, the carrot is a little different. They both want to win the natty, don't get me wrong. But for BC, this is a really big deal tomorrow night. Yeah, and I think that's really cool, kind of noticing the goals of each team. BC has that national championship that was really coveted for them, but the understanding that they have to win and want to win at every single stage. And then for North Carolina, they're perfect right now, perfect season. I keep asking them, like, who's going to beat North Carolina? And if anyone can do it, it's BC. So both teams have their goals set out for them. And, I mean, that just influences it even more, more fuel to the fire and makes for an even better game. Tari, I know one of the other things you've been involved in is, is sharing a message about mental health with student athletes. And certainly that's come into focus, unfortunately, here in the last couple of weeks again. Um, why has it been important for you to, to share your story, uh, particularly here in the last year or so? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think it's been really important for me just because a lot of people are struggling in silence. When you're a student athlete, you're performing and expected to execute every single day at the highest level in college sports. You're traveling, you're in a new environment, yet you have your class load and coursework and all these things that you're trying to keep up with on campus. And because of that expectation of excellence that you've followed at every single stage of your life, there's not always room to feel like, okay, I can express how I'm feeling. I can express what I'm struggling with. And you know, with my platform, I felt a responsibility really to kind of raise my hand and be like, hey, if anyone else is struggling out there, I've been there. You know, these are some ways that I found help when I felt helpless. Um, and it just it really hit home seeing, you know, just so many stories coming out and, and things happening where I realized like my platform was bigger than just what I was writing about at the time. Tara, you know, we've spent a lot of time on the show this week talking about name, image and likeness. And, you know, I know that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. I, I really think that this topic needs to be addressed even further because I think, in my opinion, that the student athlete who's got more power and control than ever before, the pressure to perform, whether we're talking about women's lacrosse, college football, tennis, golf, I don't care what the sport is, 18 to 22 year olds that are expecting to be to, to perform as if they're professionals and they're not. And you have the workload of a schoolwork, which we just talked to Mark Teixeira, who after 25 years is going back to get his degree. When you start talking about, hey, he or she is getting paid a significant amount of money. And we know this is happening. The pressure on that individual now to step up in a college setting as an 18 to 22 year old as if they're a 30-year-old experienced veteran professional, whether it be lacrosse, football, whatever, that is a great deal of pressure. And I, I think that this mental uh, awareness really needs to be amplified because I think the pressure is going to get even worse on student-athletes that go, oh, my God, I'm coming out of high school. Somebody just gave me $2 million to be the starting quarterback or whatever the case may be. I've got to be Tom Brady this weekend. I've got to be the next Charlotte North this weekend. That is a ton of pressure to put on a really, really young adult. It really is. And, you know, you spoke of the, the Tom Brady's, the elite athletes of the world. They have teams around them. They have support systems and people helping them execute all of the different things that they're doing and kind of helping them figure out how to manage all of that. Whereas student athletes, a lot of times, you know, they're young. They don't necessarily know what exact steps to take to even seek help or what sort of help they need and then add on all this pressure from the outside to perform because of maybe deals that they've signed, which, you know, it's a great step for them to build their legacies. But with that, I think this is a great time for schools to also show their support. Um, a lot of programs might, help, might have mental health resources that students aren't aware about, but all of a sudden, all of this pressure around you and inside of you is really brewing, and you don't necessarily know where to turn. And I, I think it's just a great opportunity for schools to really say, you know, we're going to support you on the field and off the field, whatever way we can help, whoever we can connect you with, because they want their student athletes to succeed and they want them to be the best you know, players, but also the best humans they can be. And this is a, a chance for that. Sorry, I'm just curious. Uh, surprised at the number of people that have reached out to you since you began sharing your story? Or has it been what you would expect? Yeah, I, I was surprised. I've had a lot of parents and coaches reach out and just speak about the players, um, you know, that, that their parents over that they've coached in the past and the experiences that they had. But also players reached out and said, you know, I didn't know that someone else was going through what I was going through. I didn't know how to start that dialogue. And yeah, again, just looping back to the kind of suffering and silence portion, 
Um, you know, and, and I think for me, why it took so long to kind of share exactly what my story was and what happened was because there was a little bit of, I don't know if shame is the best word to use, but I just felt like I'd let myself down and I let, you know, my friends and family down. But what I realized throughout my own journey was I could make lacrosse my own, you know, coaching for USA lacrosse, volunteering in my community, writing about the game, talking about the game. There were so many other ways that I could stay involved in lacrosse and continue playing around the world. And, you know, that that was something I really wanted to signal anytime someone reached out um, expressing how they were feeling or asking how they could help someone in their life. I just shared the different ways that they could still stay involved in their sports and the ways that they could give back as well to still feel fulfilled. Well, I'm glad you shared it. And I, I hope more people do too. And it's okay to do it. I mean, listen, everybody's fighting demons one way or the other. And I think you can have open dialogue and conversation. It certainly helps and uh, allows other folks to understand that guess what? You're not the only one going through it. And I, I just think that we're going down a path now in college athletics uh, where the money's getting greater, the pressures are getting greater. And yet still, these are still 18 to 22 year olds that are having to deal with it. These are not 40 year old vets. And, and that's tough. That's really difficult. And I will say this too. Tari has delivered the best backdrop, classical backdrop we've yeah. ever seen in that's 600 nice. and some shows. Back. I know. I thought we were coming from a museum, Tari. I, I was like, wow. What, what, I did too. What I, institution are we coming from? That's impressive. Quite an upgrade for us. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I had to I had to hit up uh, Home Goods and Michaels and spruce it up a little bit. I I love Home Goods and I love Michaels, so it was fun for me. Good job. <laughs> keep up the good hey, work. Thank. Keep the great work going. Appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, you bet. Stay tuned. Hour two Fridays Packer and Durham is coming up next. Elliot Aven is a part of it. Rachel DeCheco will be here, and in case you missed it, with Charlotte North. But next, one stat per game. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.